This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This week on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks, we have an NCAA champion and the Dallas Maverick, and they're the same guy. My boy is standing by, but first, Darlene, let's run it. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Monica is a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a three in transition and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. King is a former 3 and D Baylor baller whose idea of a good time is locking down the other team's best scorer. Monica, King, let's do this. Welcome to Buckets, Boys and Blocks. I'm King McClure. My partner, Monica McNett, is on a top secret assignment this week. So, our producer, the GOAT, Bruce Bernstein, is filling in. And our guest this week is my guy, Justin Jackson of the Dallas Mavericks who also won an NCAA championship with North Carolina in 2017 and was at least score. But we were just hooping a few days ago, and I have to admit I had him on lock. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Justin, to the show, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. For sure. Anytime, anytime, bro. So let's just get it going. I mean, you're from Houston, and you play for Dallas right now. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? <laughs> uh... Man, to be honest, growing up, I was a Spurs fan anyways. So um, that whole, you know, being in Houston, being in Dallas, you know, I didn't even realize there was really a rivalry between the two cities in general until I got out here. And everybody was like, oh, I can't believe you're in Dallas now, yada, yada, yada. But, man, I love Dallas, man. So, you know, I'm happy where I'm at. Hmm. So – We'll talk about the bubble in the NBA in a, in a, in a minute, okay? Because everybody wants to know about that. But you went to UNC, I, I, one of the premier colleges in college basketball. For me, like, I feel like if I was going to North Carolina and, you know, I see Michael Jordan up there, Vince Carter, like all the greats up there, was that a little intimidating, like, in your decision of going to North Carolina? Man, I think it was uh... – I think it was, um, I wouldn't say intimidating, but I feel like at first, you know, it puts a little more pressure on you. You know what I mean? Like it's the the history that, like you said, that, that you walk into that's already been there before you um, and all that sort of stuff, man. It, it, it does add a little more pressure, especially when games get started and you might have a bad game here, a bad game there. It's like, dang, man, like I'm in North Carolina, right? Like I got all this, all this history. I got all these – all these legends before me that laid it out before me. Um, and I'm, you know, just out here trying to carry that on. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely added a little more pressure. So, Justin, uh, this is Bruce. Um, we've had a bunch of different UNC people on different shows that we do here at Pure Hoops Media. I mean, Brad Darty is a really good friend of mine. Coach George Carl, who was there a thousand years ago. Larry Brown, who's even older than him. And they all kind of described the UNC brotherhood. Tell us what the UNC Brotherhood means to you. Man, to me, um, the UNC Brotherhood means 
if you run into anybody that's um, that was at North Carolina at all, doesn't matter if you know them or if you've met them one time or your boys with them, they're going to say what's up. They're going to see how you're doing. Um, you know, it goes way deeper than just on the court. Um, you know, the amount of times when I got to the NBA, the amount of times that I, you know, I played against guys that went to North Carolina before, but I had never met, the amount of times that they came up to me to say, hey, how are you doing? How's the league? You know, how are you How are you doing with all, you know, the adjustments and all that sort of stuff? I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, guys that, like I said, I had never met. So I think a brotherhood, you know, that, that, that people say, the UNC brotherhood, it just goes so much deeper than basketball. Um, and I think that goes back to how Coach Williams and before him, how Coach Smith just – how they coached everybody for life outside of basketball as well, you know, not just basketball. So I think it just runs way deeper than basketball. Hmm. So let's take that question a step further. The North Carolina versus the Duke rivalry. What does that mean to you? Because you know what? I always wish that Baylor had a rival that strong, but we just don't. Like, I don't know why it is, but we don't. So what does that rivalry mean to you? Man, you know what's funny? I tell I tell people all the time. Honestly, that rivalry is way worse between fans than the actual players. Um, <laughs> you know, like we obviously we don't we don't like Duke when we're playing against them. Uh, but the amount of guys that went to Duke that I was cool with in high school, you know, going to camps and AAU, all that sort of stuff. Um, and even when we were in school, there'd be tons when they'd come over to UNC or you know some of our guys would go over there to Duke. So. Um, you know, I, I think the rivalry goes way deeper for the fans. Um, but for us, I mean, when we're playing them, they're probably the most hated team that we play against when we're actually on the court against them. So, um, you know, I think it's uh, it's definitely, a, you know, one of the biggest rivalries for a reason, for sure. When you guys won the championship back in 2017, what do you remember most about the experience? Um. Honestly, I think it was, you know, it's going to sound really, really cheesy, but it was the um, everything falling from the from the ceiling, um, you know, because it's, you know, now it's now it's a funny story. But the year before when we had lost at the buzzer, um, I mean, it felt like the confetti fell before the time was even off the clock. Like It felt like Chris Jenkins hit that three and the confetti fell immediately like there was no pause in there or anything so when we got back the next year it was like for some reason that was one of the biggest things I was looking for you know like okay this is you know this is going to be really dope if we win this thing and all that confetti starts coming down and it's all for us um so I'll probably say that was probably the biggest thing you know that I noticed whenever whenever we won it when you were picked in the lottery in 2017 number 15 by Portland but then you were traded the, the same night over to Sacramento. Sometimes when that happens, players are told in advance that that might happen. Is that what happened with you, or was it just a surprise that you got traded? No, so I was, to be honest, I was more surprised that it was Portland that picked me and then traded me. Because um, my agent, whenever they told me that, um, I guess they had told me that the trade that the Kings had with Portland had already, it had already happened. Um, so they told me that I was being drafted by the Kings um, or at least I was going to the Kings. Um, so it was more of a shocker whenever they said it was Portland trading to the Kings, but yeah, we already knew kind of, you know, at least five minutes in advance before they called my name that, that it was going to happen. So the, the most unfortunate thing about that was like on, 
on draft night, like you still have to take a picture with the team's hat that actually drafted you, you know? So like when I go back and look, look at all my draft pictures, it's all, it's, it's Portland, you know? And so that was the most unfortunate thing, but we had already known. So we weren't really, you know, caught off guard at all. I was actually there that night. I used to work for ESPN and I, my job was to work with Adam Silver. So when the card came up with the name Justin Jackson on it, I'd be the guy telling the, the production truck, hey, next picks up. Uh, when can I send Adam out? And they'd be like, all right, hold him, hold him, then send Adam out. What was it like when you shook hands with Adam in that moment? How did that, was that like your entire life just kind of blossoming in front of your eyes? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, honestly, it took me a couple of days for me to fully realize what had happened. Um, you know, I think when I when I fully understood what had happened was whenever we had to go to Sacramento the next day um, to meet everybody and do that whole, you know, walk around or whatever that we had to do. Um, but that night, I mean, it was kind of, you know, it's kind of, you, you work so hard your whole career um, to get to that point. And it finally happens. And it's almost like you're in shock at the moment. You know, it's like they call your name, you walk up on stage, you shake his hand and you're just kind of like, man, like, I don't even really know what to feel right now. This is, this is crazy. And then they take you on a crazy media, you know, trail that you have to go on. So like, you don't even really fully get to enjoy it until like another two hours after that. But I think after a couple of days, it really started to set in like, man, my dreams, you know, really came true. Hmm. That's real. I wish I could have experienced that, but I never experienced it. <laughs> However, you know, when you finally got to Sacramento, you were up and down from the D League to uh, the NBA. I mean, as a lottery pick, did that ever shake your confidence or how did that ever, how did that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, let's see how many times, I guess I, I went on a pretty long road trip with the G League team out there. And then I played, I think, one or two other times with them. Um, and, you know, for me, it got to the point where, you know, I didn't play, you know, when, when I was first sent down there, I think it was like eight games before that. I didn't really play much um, with the Kings. And so for me, it got to the point where I was like, okay, you know, we're going down there. And I'm just trying to get some run. You know, I'm just trying to get some reps, some reps in, trying to kind of feel playing basketball again, you know, game speed and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I mean, at first, obviously, it hits the ego a little bit, you know, it hits the pride um, just because, you know, most of us, you know, growing up, like we were the best player, you know what I'm saying? Like even going into college and going into college, it was like, okay, we're top players in high school. We get to college more than likely. We're probably top three on the team. Um, and so there's never really that instance of like, okay, well, dang, like my playing time might be kind of messed up or, and so once I got to the Kings, um, you know, my minutes were up and down, up and down, up and down. And, you know, that was kind of a, you know, a, a very humbling experience. You know, I could have just been pissed at, you know, them not playing me or whatever. But for me, I looked at it as kind of, okay, you know what, this is, this is, I got to look at this as like a humbling experience. I got to look at this. Okay. What can I learn? What, what can I do now to get better and to get minutes or to get better and, and get out of the G League? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, definitely at the pride at first, but then I try to look at it as just like a learning experience of growth. So, Justin, last season was your first in Dallas, and it was just completely whacked because of the COVID and then the bubble and the delay and this and that. How did you handle 
working through all of that stuff, including your time in the bubble? Um, you know, I, I think it was, it was one of those things where nobody saw it coming, you know, so it wasn't like you could ever prepare for it or whatever. But I mean, for, for me, when, when it, you know, when, when they told us, I think we played the Nuggets the night that they shut us down. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when they pulled us into the locker room that night and said, hey, you know, uh, uh, somebody tested positive. Um, so we're going to have to shut it down for a couple of days. For me, it was like we were supposed to have an off day the next day anyways. So I was thinking, okay, we're going to have a couple of days off, get back to it. Nobody really knew the severity of it. And so – you know, after a while, they were like, okay, you know, we're going to be shut down for a while. Um, and then you started seeing things shut down in the city. You started seeing, seeing things shut down in the country. Um, and so, honestly, I mean, it, you know, it was, it was a great time for me um, to really hang out with my wife and enjoy time with her because obviously the season's crazy with travel. Um, but then it was like, okay, now I got to start finding ways to work out. You know, I got to start finding ways to try to stay in shape. So, you know, we got like the Peloton and, and some things to work out with, with that. And um, then it was like, okay, now I don't have a gym. You know, I think I went two months without being able to shoot at all. Um, and then finally, you know, thankfully I had a, I had a friend that lives over here by us um, that they actually have a gym at their house. So we were able to start shooting there, but you know, it was just a crazy, crazy experience. Um, and then you go, you know, they kind of dropped the whole bubble idea on us pretty quickly, you know, like the turnaround, was you know we had I think it was like two weeks before we had to head out two or three weeks before we had to head out there um, and start quarantining all that sort of stuff so it was just a crazy experience um, but I think I think coach coach really put it into perspective really well it was historical you know it was the first and possibly the only bubble ever in NBA history so you know it was it was uh, it was an interesting experience. So how was the bubble? Yeah. Um, the bubble was cool. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll say the NBA and the MBPA, our union, they got everything and did everything that we needed while we were in the bubble. You know, as far as food, um, obviously the rooms, um, you know, having all the extra stuff that we could do if you're a golfer, golf and all that sort of stuff. They had everything we weren't necessarily needing, needing for anything. Um, I think the hardest thing for it is, uh, for me, like my getaway from basketball, obviously, you know, people, I always laugh because like all the way up through high school, the whole saying like ball is life started. Um, but for me, I have to have a getaway from basketball. You know what I mean? Like I got to be able to come home. My getaway is to come home, hang out with my wife. We got two dogs. So to get away from that and come home with, to them and, and be able to hang out with them, get my mind off of everything on the court, all that sort of stuff. Well, you take all of that, all of those getaways from people and you see the same people over and over again. You go back to the same hotel room over and over again. It's the same routine. Um, you know, it can got to get redundant. And so I think, you know, that was probably the hardest part for me was, and, you know, I didn't play a ton, you know, once the playoffs started too. So for me, it was just more difficult because at times, you know, you're just kind of stuck in your room, you know, and there's, you know, FaceTime only works so much. So, um, you know, being taken away from that getaway, I think, was the toughest part for me. But, I mean, the bubble, they had barbers out there. They had everything that we needed. Um, so I can't necessarily – I can't complain about it. You, 
you guys got a lot of big personalities around the Maverick team. I mean, starting with your owner and of course, you know, Kristaps, Luca, Coach Carlisle. Uh, what makes it all work so well together? It seems like Dallas is like the, the happiest ship in the, in, in the <laughs> marina from, for most of the, what I can see. Uh, you know, I think it's exactly what you said. We have so many different personalities. Um, you know, coming into the NBA, everybody was like, you know, enjoy college um, because once you get to the NBA, the feel is so much different. You know, you've got grown men that have families. You go and practice, you go to a game, and then everybody just splits off and does their own thing. Our team is obviously we're, we're younger. Um, but we have kind of that college feel, you know, like we'll finish practice and we'll hang out in the locker room or, you know, we'll do things like in the bubble. I mean, we had probably four or five guys that were hanging out with each other every day, you know, it was, or you'll have, you know, three over here guys were always with each other in some, some instance. And so, you know, I think it's just guys just love being around each other, which obviously helps on the court as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just, it's just that feeling of, you know, we really want to be around each other. And I think that makes the whole experience a whole lot cooler. You know, one of your teammates, you know, the, one of the rising stars in the NBA, Luka Doncic, what makes him so special? Like, what do you see out of him that is, you know, that allows him to go out there and perform the way he does night by night? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the obvious things are his size at the point guard position and his ability to play at his own speed and do things like that. But he sees things just totally different on the court than a lot of people do. Um, he's one of those guys that sees things happening before the play ever really starts. And so I think you add his skill set, his size, his ability to pass, his ability to make plays. And then you add the mental aspect of being able to process things a lot faster, but also still play at his own speed. Um, you know, I think it's just a combination of obviously everybody seeing just a combination of a superstar. So um, it's pretty, it's pretty dope to see, you know, firsthand and be able to play with somebody that good. You know, a lot of what went on uh, in the bubble had to do with the whole, you know, uh, quest for a more inclusive society, racial justice, whatever. And a lot of the guys, most of the players had a, had a, a, a message on the back of their uniform. What message did you have on the back of your uniform and, and why did you choose what you chose? Yeah. So our whole team, um, we wanted to do something as a group. Um, so our whole team chose equality, uh, but everybody did it in their own language. Um, so, you know, Luca had it in his, in his language, KP had it in his, Boban had it in his. Um, and then obviously everybody had equality in English as well. Um, but everybody had it in their own, in their own language. And so we wanted to, um, we thought equality was the word, word of choice um, because we just felt like that was, that was what was needed at the time. Um, you know, we thought that equality obviously encompassed a whole lot of things. Um, and so that's what, that's what we decided to do as a team because we wanted to be a, a group to do it. So Justin, let's just get real, real quick. You being a biracial human being, what does the word equality mean to you? Man, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a tough one to define. Um, and I've, I mean, I've thought about it a lot because that's a great question from the standpoint of me being 
me being mixed, um, you know, I've had conversations a lot with people lately. Um, and I've told them straight up, you know, I haven't, I've been blessed enough that I haven't had to um, receive the type of, you know, injustice and the type of things that most, you know, black people do receive. You know, thankfully, you know, my parents, you know, were able to provide everything that we needed. Um, thankfully, I had two parents in the home. Um, and so I've never really had to experience, you know, that kind of racial problem. Um, but I think equality means being heard. I think equality means everybody having a voice, um, everybody being seen. Um, you know, obviously you can start putting out, you know, I think that, you know, uh, this race should have the same amount of, you know, whatever is this race or whatever. But I think at the end of the day, at the core of everything is everybody, whether black, white, Filipino, Latino, whatever it is, um, everybody having a voice, everybody being heard and everybody being seen as just another human being, you know, because at the end of the day, I'm a human being, you're a human being. Everybody that's walking on this planet is a human being. So it's like, for me, I think that that whole thought process of, okay, you know what, I'm going to see you as a, as a human, as another person. I'm not going to see you as a black man. Or I'm not going to see you as a, you know, a, a Hispanic, you know, I'm going to see you as another person and I'm going to listen to you as if you were exactly what I am. You know what I'm saying? So I think that for me, that's what equality really should be defined as. Okay. Okay. That, that's real, bro. I, I love the answer and I agree with you 110%. Last question. You know anything about the UNC basketball team this year? Um, so I, I, so Kenny, Kenny was there whenever we were playing a couple of days ago. Um, and so he, he, I think he practiced with the team, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so he got to see a little, a little firsthand. Um, and he said, obviously they're super young this year. It's almost like a brand new team. Um, but he said they, they've got some talent and they've got, they've got a, a chance to be really good. You know, we'll see obviously what happens with their season and how everything turns out. But he says, he says they got it. They got a good chance. You know, I'm always rolling with them. So, you know, I say they'll be good this year. So it is what it is. So if they happen to run across my bears, who are you taking? See, I see, that's the thing. You know, I'm, I'm always going to take UNC. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I got to always take UNC. But I got to do a little scouting first, you know, to really see, like, okay, you know what, how how high should my expectations really be? or So, but, you know, I always got to roll with the Tar Heels no matter what. It's okay. You'll probably end up disappointed, but it is okay. So, <laughs> appreciate you being on the show, my guy. Uh, it means a lot that you would take the time out and, and do this with me and Bruce. Of course, bro. I, pre I appreciate y'all having me, man. I had a great time. That was dope. <laughs> You already know what time it is, everybody. Favorite segment, who's tripping this week? I have, um, I was going to say two people, but it was actually probably hundreds of people <laughs> that were tripping down there at Notre Dame. Oh, my goodness. Look, every week, I feel like we continuously talk about this. Like, we always mention that COVID is not over and that COVID is getting worse. Like not, not only is it not over, but it's, it's continuing to spread at a higher rate and it's getting worse. So more and more people are dying. So, okay. Notre Dame, the number four team in the country played the number 
one team in the country, in Clemson. Clemson didn't have their starting quarterback. Let me just make that be known. So don't celebrate your win. You win in overtime. Like you, you, you lost with the backup quarterback, in my opinion. Because had you had Trevor Lawrence out there, you probably would have lost the game. Anyway, it's relevant. So they win the game, Notre Dame does. And you decide to rush the field. First off, you're number four team in the country. What are you doing rushing the field, winning over number one? You're number four in the country. You should expect to win. However, <laughs> you rush the field. Now, come on, people. Hundreds of people bunched up. Bruce, take this one. You know, I remember back when Notre Dame football was even bigger and better than it was now. And you know what? Beating Clemson was not any cause to celebrate. It's like, you're supposed to beat Clemson. And like you said, Trevor Lawrence didn't even play. Notre Dame students love to tell you how smart they are. I'll tell you what, there's a whole lot of them last weekend that didn't look too smart to me. And so I say the Notre Dame student body, you were tripping. Now, King, there were some other people that were tripping in the real world, like some uh, folks that were having some senseless beef. Why don't you tell us who else was tripping? Man, man, man. See, I know where to start with this because this is something that's, that, that's kind of dear, near and dear to my heart. I mean, over the past week, there's been two rappers who have been murdered over senseless beef. First one is King Von. He was murdered in Atlanta. I don't listen to King Von. Um, I'm really not familiar with him. I know he's a Chicago rapper that was murdered in Atlanta over a senseless beef. And Mo3 out of my hometown, Dallas, Texas, I was actually driving home from a workout and passed by uh, right after the murder happened. And there was like 30 police cars and he ended up dying over a, a stupid, senseless beef. And I mean, my question is, when is enough going to be enough? Um, like we always talk about, you know, white cops killing us and that's wrong, 110%. But I feel like as black people, we have to stop killing each other because that's just as bad. A death is a death no matter who's in front of the gun, holding the gun, a death is a death. That's another person who has to have family members, has to have their kids um, live without them because they died due to a senseless beef. All murder is wrong. I'm not saying one is higher than the other and you know one should be happening, one shouldn't be happening. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that all murders are wrong. You kill one person, that, that, that that's terrible. That's bad because you leave behind hundreds of people who are going to hurt and grieve. And it's young black men. Mo3 was probably 30. King Von was like 2021. 20, and then you look who did it. Then it's a 21-year-old guy. It's a like a young 22-year-old guy that killed Mo3 or something like that. Like these guys' lives are ruined for the rest of their lives. So, so when is enough going to be enough? When are we going to say no and try to put it into this? I feel like when Justin was talking about equality and, and ending all this type of stuff, it doesn't matter who does it, white or black, end of the day, wrong is wrong, death is death. We must put an end to it. So people out there beefing over senseless things, killing over senseless things, you're tripping this week. All right, folks, it's time to wrap. Thanks to our guest, Justin Jackson, for spending some time with us. We're hoping for a big year from him with the Mavericks. Our editor, Tom Phillip, well, he's a superstar. Thanks for everything, Tom. Don't forget our other shows. Mike Wise drops in each Monday with a new show. I was on with Mike this week and 
I had to talk him down off the ledge, King. He was worried about the election. I said, it's over, baby. Your guy won. But we still had a lot of fun figuring out what's going on in the world. Check it out and see if I was able to talk him down off that ledge safely. Full Court Press with Jenny Fisher and John Fanta is here each Tuesday. Their guest this week is Jeff Borzello of ESPN, and he has some great college hoop takes. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron have a brand new show each Wednesday. BJ Armstrong, Bulls legend, and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast every Friday. And the incredible Monica McNutt rejoins the King next Thursday with Buckets, Boards, and Blocks from Pure Hoops Media. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Finally, okay. We talked about it earlier. The people at Notre Dame did not get the memo about COVID-19 and what is happening in our society. COVID is actually getting worse and it's raging through the country. So I advise you, please wash your hands. Like that's, that's the least you can do because if you don't wash your hands, like, are you even a sanitary human being? Um, yeah. And stay away six feet apart at least. No need to go to the clubs and dance on people getting each other's personal space because that's just uncalled for right now during a pandemic because you do not want to catch COVID at the club. That's just not something that you just want to tell your children. Like, How did you catch COVID? Oh, I was on the eyes at the club. Don't do it, okay? Please don't. Like, don't complain, J just do it. And please wear your mask because you don't protect just your, well, you protect more than just yourself. You protect others and you never know if you're asymptomatic or not. So just please wear your mask. And also, please treat everyone around you as a friend or be considerate because, you know, the election just happened. A lot of people are hurt because of who won the, the president presidential race please be sensitive to other people's feelings and emotions because that could cause a huge argument and a huge fight and people are crazy we need to also continue working for social justice uh, as we strive for a more inclusive society a lot of injustices still going on in our society i mean hopefully they get better due to the shift that's all i'm gonna say due to the shift so We'll see, okay? Our first black woman vice president, shout out Kamala Harris. Um, that's huge for the country, it's huge for African-American people. So until my partner Monica returns next week, I've always wanted to do this, but I never get to do this because Monica won't take this, okay? Enjoy your hoops in my Monica voice. <laughs> Buckets, Boards and Blocks with Monica McNutt and King McClure is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.